And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 275, aka Year 6, Week 25, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your weekend call-in show, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So what is going on with you guys this week? (laughs) MC. Don't don't all start at once. (laughs) There was two things. There was two things that we talked about pre-show that we were that we could have let in with. So okay, but you know, as the host, I think you need to call one person the other because we're being polite. You know, we're we're polite guys. I I appreciate that. I'll I'll throw it to you, KS. Then, since you since you had them, uh, those topics on hand. Well, um, running across the news this morning was the the yesterday's commutation that uh, President Trump did for uh, Roger Stone, who uh, apparently how uh, dare he was convicted of lying to Congress, and uh, and uh, Trump said, "Well, that was a, a silly." Um, action by the prosecutor and a silly action by Congress to even be inquiring about this. And so he felt that uh, this uh, Roger Stone had been unjustly prosecuted and therefore before one week before he was going to go to jail for, I don't know, three years or maybe two months, whatever, depending, whatever it turns out to be. Um, And uh, so he commuted the sentence. And I think that that's uh, an interesting case. Because, you know, Donald Trump is always talking about the rule of law. Those those immigrants, they came across the border, uh, refugees desperate from for from uh, gang violence and death and starvation abroad. But they broke the law. They came across the border without uh, um, uh, without following our laws. And so, you know, uh, they're, they're such law and order guys until it's uh, his own guy who he's defending here. Well, and like I said during the pre-show, I said, "Well, isn't isn't the presidential part part of the rule of law? Like, so isn't it? Isn't he already justified in commuting the sentence and issuing the pardon? Because that that's within the legal system. Like Roger Stone had a trial. Roger Stone was convicted. Roger Stone was sentenced, all within the rule of law. And then here comes Trump, well within the rule of law, and goes, pardon. Well, you could say that's uh, an irony of the law itself here." that it doesn't seem to have any consistency. And you're, you're right, it is legal. Nobody's saying that he should be impeached for, for doing this. No one says that he can't do it. Um, but uh, the outcry is that it is wrong to do this. I mean, you could just say, well, he, he could end all, uh, all the incarceration rate in all the prisons by pardoning all murderers. And therefore, you know, it, it would still be within the law to be, for him to be able to do so. Um, but there would be a judgment against him that it is, uh, an immoral or wrong thing to do. Well, and you've got, you know, the, the libertarian candidates will occasionally run. I don't know if Joe Jorgensen has come out specifically and said this, but that they will pardon all nonviolent offenders, um, to wipe out the, you know, the prison industrial complex. So that's what they, that's what they campaign on and what they say to in advance. Right. Um, and they they don't say that all law is uh, just and um, and so I think they're being quite honest. In so it's a consistency issue. Uh, it is that, and uh, you you're quite correct in saying that this is not something new to Trump. I think there were many cases of commutations of uh, uh, that Obama did. I think uh, Bill Clinton was criticized for having uh, pardoned some people who had contributed heftily to his campaigns and most egregious of all in the same vein as this thing by Trump was George Bush senior who upon just before departing from office pardoned all of those people who were under investigation by Casper Weinberger for the uh, Iran Contra scandal that was going up the list and the more and more prosecutions occurred the more it was going to lead directly to uh, Bush himself, who was vice president at the time, probably was the one who was in charge of the uh, uh, the Iran Contra scandal. I mean, the you know the the huge uh, 
Iran-Contra deal-making behind Congress's sure. back. And, um, and really, nobody said anything about that. He marched out of office, and having pardoned all the people who could have pointed the finger at him in this investigation, and um, end of story. Doesn't that speak more to the fact that this is not necessarily a problem with the presidential pardon, uh, but just faux outrage from the left Democrats uh, because their only position at this point is if Trump does it, it's wrong. And so it's, you know, they, they don't have a problem with the, 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 the presidential pardon um, in the past or when their candidate does it or even when certain Republican candidates do it. So this time it's less about that and more about oh, that darn Trump. Well, it, it's uh, yes, the left are, are wing is doing that for those reasons. Yes, but I do it as well. And I'm not part of the left. I do it. I criticize him uh, also because of his hypocrisy with regard to uh, his stance on the rule of law. I mean, I'm I'm much more if, if they're talking about people who have been unjustly treated by the law, it's much more these uh, asylum seekers uh, who by the thousands are desperate to flee uh, circumstances in the uh, in their in their country that even the United States Congress has established laws to accept these people and and to treat them. He's denied them even access to the country so they can get that uh, treatment. So I'd say that the the case is something that that outrages me too. Uh, is it only because it's Roger about. Stone then? Because uh, within the last year or so. I think it was Kim Kardashian, right? Got got a seat at the the presidential table for a minute, and and got some pardons for you know some some nonviolent offenders that have been stuck in prison, and it was a it was hailed as a victory for uh, prison reform and and social justice that that he would that Trump would take a seat with Kim Kardashian, listen to the case you know of of I think it's the Innocence Project uh, as well that that works on these things, um, and got a few people out of jail. Got a few innocent people out of jail uh, with you know you using Trump as the mechanism, the presidential pardon uh, to do that, and you know there was there was some praise at that time. No one really took a good look at what was going on. They just went, oh yeah, pardon some people, good. Yeah, well, I mean, in that case, it it wasn't his own buddy who was being charged for doing things to favor him. Okay, that that's where it becomes. Uh, self-serving uh, here. And just like uh, Congress, another headline topic of the last week is that uh, it, it it was finally revealed, as we all expected, um, that this massive bailout um, package from Congress for the coronavirus uh, downturn in the economy was uh, funneling a lot of money into the companies of people tied to congressmen themselves. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd say we all expect it because we expect this corruption in government, but it was exposed and only glad that, that we, it can be exposed in this country still. I worry about the time when, when it cannot be exposed because they'll have ways of, of clamping down on, on exposure in the media. You said we all expect it. And I think that's generally so true in liberty-minded circles, right? Like none of this comes as a surprise to us. Um, but do you think, do you think it's that way amongst the general population? Like, haven't we got to the point, uh, where, where satire rules and irony is, you know, the law of the land where it's, it's well known that they're self-serving, right? It's well known that, you know, they're, they're going to bail out their friends and business and whatnot. Um, and then again, the, the liberty minded people go, well, yeah, that's just how it is. But everyone else goes, that's outrageous. How could he do that? Uh, when you know that's what's being done, right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're not surprised by now, uh, where have you been? Um, and if you're pretending to be surprised, you know, just to be the vocal, the, the, the voice of outrage, uh, is, isn't that kind of self-serving as well? Who's, who's surprised about what? <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, go ahead, Ken. Well, yeah, I... I self-serving that we're su surprised I, I don't quite get the point there i mean uh, I, I i see what you you're saying that people who are liberty-minded well i'd like to think that most people are liberty-minded it's just they haven't gathered together around a, a philosophy of uh, 
of uh, analysis the same way that libertarians have. But um, I mean, I, I think you're right that we expect that that's the way it happens because we've been long been exposed to it. But I like to point out to young people um, that uh, this sort of thing happens because a lot of them certainly aren't told about this in their public school education and are probably getting exposed to it for the first time as they become aware of this sort of thing. So, yeah, so is that, a, is that the only place where rage and outrage is justified then? Like when I, when I say the others, I'm, you know, specifically, if you need me to get specific MC, uh, Democrats and the left, right? They go like, how can he do this? He's just doing, he's only pardoning Roger Stone, you know, because he's his buddy, right? He's a friend of the president and he's taking care of his friend. That's outrageous. That is not what the office of the president is meant to do. It's a, it's a breach of power and a breach of trust with the American yeah, people. So, so who cares? They're, they're outraged just because of his existence. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying. It's self-serving. That's, that's the self-serving aspect of it. Well, they're right? both sort of self-serving. So there, Trump is self-serving no, and so are the Democrats. There's no surprise that he's taking care of his buddies. You know, politicians have been doing that since the advent of politics, right? So to 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 rise up and shout and shake the fist. Uh, at, well, that, that's their job. That's okay. what they do. <laughs> I get it. And is it? And so my question was: Is it? Is it only? Is the only reason to do so because it's self-serving in some way? Like, there's no real outrage. It's you know, it's an open secret, right? Everyone knows it's going to happen, and everyone plays their part when it does, right? The president has the power to pardon. He was going to pardon Roger Stone. Everyone saw that coming from a mile away, right? Then the president plays his role and he does it, right? Then he uh, steps up and he gives a speech and everyone goes, well, it's, he's just being self-serving. And then the Democrats get outraged and they play their part and they shake their fist, right? It's, okay, it's the, a theater. The, the, the outrage has a place and a role in it because, you know, a lot of times politicians are testing the water. Is, is, is this action going to bring outrage and if they do they they backtrack from it or they pause at it and if there is no uh, outrage then they go right ahead and and do it and i think the outrage is a good way of pushing back and thank goodness that there is outrage on these things so that there is a that there is a, a reaction to i mean there's outrage because there's a, a sort of a reasonable uh, injustice that's been done or, or or something that most people would disagree with when it's brought to their attention. And the outrage is just bringing it to their attention enough that it's pushback on politicians. If there wasn't outrage, politicians would be unchecked. They'd do everything that they could, could get away with. And this is just one way of making sure they can't get away with it because they, I mean, as, as um, immune they are to, uh, to, uh, damage uh, for the for the bad things they do throughout their lives, uh, they they still feel sensitive about public opinion, and the uh, and the vote that's coming up for them. So right. they they're they're sensitive to those things, and so outrage has a huge role. Let's talk about that for a minute, then, uh, KS, because I'm going to say this. Uh, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. My general life philosophy is that every minor inconvenience must be met with a gross overreaction. Right. It's it's my way to, like, make an impression on people uh, so that they choose not to inconvenience me in the future um, because the backlash uh, of which I, you know, bring bring forth uh, is too great <laughs> for a minor inconvenience uh, is. And if we if we extrapolate that out to an effective political strategy, uh, should we not be outraged at every little thing? politicians do and you know uh riot and burn shit down for every little thing like yeah what was the you know the uh, one of the most egregious ones and we might be able to transition into this in, in hawaii uh, toward the end of my stint there was the uh, no texting while you're walking uh you know no electronic device in your hand type of law right where if you're walking down the street and you're holding your cell phone and you glance down at the screen boop ticket right Burn down City Hall, right? Because that's it's such a minor thing that no one's going to get outraged over, uh, that they can just continue to encroach on these small little things, unless, of course, we get outraged and we display that outrage in some form or fashion, in some form of protest against the powers that be, the politicians, the political class, the enforcers of the law, um, so that they think twice 
about you know petty little shit like whether or not you can hold your cell phone in your hand while you're walking down the street is that not well, would that not yeah, be effective yeah. uh okay effective uh, uh, two different things uh, is it correct to do that i say yes is it effective well only to a degree because you can um there's also a phenomenon is that you want people to pay attention to it and especially the guys who are you know who you're pushing back against um yeah so every time they do it you make them pay attention yeah but if it if it becomes so commonplace and so routine that the broad public and the people you're trying to push back uh start to trivial treat it as frivolous and and um and annoying rather than logical um then you'll lose your effect it could lose your effectiveness i don't know exactly where that that line is drawn well i I say refresh the tree every time they give you the opportunity to refresh the tree but also there's a a point at in your own life how much of your life do you want to spend um haranguing the oppressors and i mean it, it takes a lot of time and energy and exhaustion and uh sometimes um abuse uh, to keep doing that. I mean, there's also a point where you want to live a pleasant and enjoyable life without constantly pushing back on all these petty things and uh, the petty or, you know, how you interpret it. Uh, yes, I think it's good that, that some people do that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to spend my whole life uh, uh, at the doorstep of these uh, uh, ridiculous people. So as long as the boot is only depressed slightly on your neck, then you're okay. Cause it's only, it's not completely crushing your windpipe. It's only restricting your breathing a little bit. You can breathe a little, a little bit of rich. The world is a very, very big place. You've got people all around the world endlessly that you could champion with your, all of your life's energy because it's unjust and you would be correct in doing so. But there's no way that you're going to be able to reach it all. And at some point, um, why not just shoot yourself and, and rid yourself of, of all of the ang- anguish? Because oh, because again, I'm not refreshing my tree. I'm refreshing theirs, right? Like I'm well, not. Okay. If you're successful, you want to be successful at it. You want to be effective at it. You don't want to yeah. just be a, a noise in the wind. Right. But what I'm saying is, you know, you're, you're the way you've described it is, in order to live a peaceful, long life, there's a certain level of oppression that you must endure because to fight back against it is too time-consuming, too difficult, too hard, too quarrelsome. I didn't say that you don't do any pushback. Okay. I just say that, you you know, I, I think it's worthwhile um, <clears throat> having a balance in your life of, of the good uh, that makes the bad worthwhile at the same time. There, right. There's there's nice blend of things. When I look at... Uh, heroic figures in, in history um, who have championed great causes of freedom, um, they still allowed themselves moments of serenity and, and, um, and some moments of beauty. I mean, like, like Nelson Mandela, you know, was uh, fighting this big battle against apartheid in, uh, in South Africa, but he also took time to have a wife and a family and in children and meet with friends and party and so on like that. It wasn't sure. He didn't say, Oh, well, I can't, I can't have a wife that would take myself away from, from minutes that I could be spending in the cause. No, everybody has to be rejuvenated and reminded of why they're in the cause by the beautiful things in life. Right. I, I get that part, but the, the, the grander scheme, let's just go back to the cell phone example is well that's such a it's it's such a trivial law it's such a minor inconvenience to to put your phone back in your pocket when you're walking down the street like why would we get outraged over that right and then go well you know what else what else can they take away right then then you can't have it while you're in your car then you can't have it at home and you know you can only use it for certain things and go well it's just it's just one it's just an incremental loss of liberty you know but no one no one pushed there was no outrage Right. There was no outrage when they initially passed the law. There was no outrage when, you know, the, the texting and driving. Right. That was the second step. Right. First, it was like no texting and driving. And then no, now no texting and walking. Right. They, they've already incremented. They've already ratcheted that one up. And there's no outrage because it's such a minor inconvenience that there's no need. Let's just put your phone in your pocket. 
go to work, make your money, be happy. They're, again, they're not crushing your windpipe. It's not like you're enslaved or anything. You just can't use your cell phone. No big deal, right? Enjoy life, but without your phone in your hand. Heck, you're probably better off for not having your phone in your hand because you can enjoy the beauty of nature while you're out there walking down the street and you can you can take in the sight. So this is actually a good thing, right? They, they're doing this for your benefit. You put your phone, they want you to put your phone in your pocket because they care about you. No pushback, no outrage. I, I hope the sarcasm is at them and not at me for saying you have to pick and choose your battles. You can't take every battle on and spend your whole life's energy on it. I'm glad that some people do take on those battles. And there's a lot of people out there who get outraged and incensed at different things because of different levels of sensitivity. And, and of course, if they get a ticket, they're, they're the ones that want to push the battle yeah. more than somebody else. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad they're out there. I'll support them. Um, so but, so which, which hill do you want to die on, Rich? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I moved to not die on that one. I would probably die on the mask hill at this point. The, like I'm not mask? wearing one. Yeah, I'm okay. not I'm not going to wear a mask if they if they if if New Hampshire passes the, you know, the the ordinance that you must wear a mask no matter where you go, I'll probably die on that hill. I'm not going to wear one just because they say so. Right? But well, there's you a, got good good company there. I think that you'll be in, in, among a, a huge crowd of people who will resist yeah. it there. Yeah, that's nice. the, gov- the, uh, the the Democrats here recently tried to pass uh, an income tax. The governor vetoed it, so I don't have to die on that hill, right? I read some controversy about that that bill um, that he that he was also in support of uh, some other type of uh, fees or oh man, I have to find it again. Shoot. Okay. Cause, well, cause, because he's he's pro um, you know, free health care and some other stuff. Yeah, he's not and perfect. So, so, so basically, he's he's enacting something else that you know it, it costs people money, but it's just not paid through an income tax. It's paid through some other thing, but it's still basically an income right. tax. And well, and comparatively, New Hampshire has the highest property tax, right? In the in the country, so was that was that what he's doing is going to raise property tax to pay for everything else that he wants? I don't know. I I, okay. I did not read the bill. I just saw the the veto so report. Me, I'll try to find it. Again. Uh, but you know, he also there's there's uh there's a couple of you know highway tolls in an area that earlier this year or late last year he removed the toll, right? So I, now I can get on and off the freeway more conveniently. Did I want to die on that hill? No, I just avoided the tolls, right? That's that's the beautiful thing about being here, right? It's like, I don't know, I really don't know which is the hill to die on here because a lot of the normal uh, inconveniences um, are easily Found avoided. It. Go Yeah, go for it. It says, breaking, I just vetoed the Democrats' income tax for the second time in two years. Yeah. Whether one characterizes it as a premium on wages or payroll deduction, the reality remains that if it looks like income tax functions like an income tax and takes more money out of paychecks of hardworking taxpayers like an income tax, that it is an uh, income tax. That was from Chris uh, Sununu. That's um, the guy. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess that's a good thing. Um uh, not exactly sure what the controversy came from, but I'll have to. <laughs> the co- the controversy comes from the fact that the Democrats want more free stuff, right? And they put free stuff in the bills. And how do you want to pay for it? Well, they want an income tax, right? They want a, they want a sales tax. Uh, so, on the letter from uh from the message says that uh, pay, uh this is from Chris. Paid family medical leave is important to me, which is why I have presented simple multiple plans to legislature. Unlike Democrats' legislation, my my bills were voluntary, affordable, sustainable, and income tax free. Uh, okay, so how is it? How do how do you make paid family medical leave voluntary, affordable, and sustainable? I don't know. You got to ask him. Again, no. I'm not I'm not defending. Uh, his entire policy, just the fact that, you know, there's, there's, there's good things happening here. Sure. Sure. Like the vetoing of that. So like what you, as you said, what hill do you want to die on? Like right now, it would probably be the masks. It's not on income. Uh, it's not on sales tax. 
you know, property tax is a difficult one um, overall because that will be a hill to die on because they will come and steal your land and your house uh, if you choose to let that be the hill you die on. Currently, I rent, so I'm not going to, you know, I don't know. What hill do you want me to die on? But my my point was, (laughs) pick one, you know. (laughs) I avoid tolls. I haven't been pulled over. So according to you, as long as you pick a hill to die on, that's good enough. No, I mean you got to pick one, but like right right now what's what's the boot on my throat that's that's you know crushing my windpipe that I should that I should, you know, champion against. Well, what if it's only inconveniencing you inconveniencing you? It's not it's not uh on your throat. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's Ken's point, right? Then that then just let it be an inconvenience and just go about your life with the, you know, a slight minor inconvenience. I is I just want to know. I mean, th- but that's I mean that's a basic truth though. I mean, you can't you can't fight every everything. Well, but I'm suggesting that you should, right? You can you can be outraged at everything, yeah. But that doesn't mean necessarily you're gonna you're gonna pick every hill to die on because you can only you can't really die. Well, I also times. don't want yeah. I also don't want to die on a hill, right? I want to burn down. <laughs> I want to burn down their hill, right? They they pass a cell phone ban, well, right? I want to light city hall on fire. It depends. It depends how many people are doing it. If everybody's doing it, then you might not die. But if if just you're you're doing it, then chances are you right. die on that hill. So if everyone were upset, right? And so that's that's the whole purpose of out, of the outrage, though, is to get more people uh, outraged with you. Good. Then every for every minor thing, there should be someone outraged and rallying everybody else to be outraged with them, right? Well, I re- I remember being in court, but this was not the walking with the cell phone. This was the driving with the, the texting and driving ban, right? And they were cattle calling uh, defendants. They were lining them up five at a time, and the question the judge would ask was. Uh, everyone is presumed guilty. Uh, if you want to plead innocent, step forward and we'll send you to the back of the line and we'll handle you separately. And so five at a time, who wants to step forward? No one. Okay. hundred dollar fine across the board. Five minutes later, boom, the, the state is $500 richer and they cattle call another five people in front. Right? Like this, this is all they did for the, for the morning session. Right? Just bringing, bringing the cash register because no one was outraged about uh, about se- uh, holding your cell phone while you drive, right? And they go, well, well actually, you know, we can ratchet okay, it. Go ahead. Okay, I'll challenge that. Actually, if the road was a pri- privately run road, I would think that it would be very logical for the the manager of a of a of a transportation system to have such a rule in place for people driving on his road, just as. Uh, uh, someone uh, operating an, a private airline company says, well, pilots have to be alert and and uh, can't be drinking and, and flying. Uh, they, they have to be attentive to the task. Um, so I don't find the, the, the irritation with the fact that somebody cannot text while driving. I find it actually very, very dangerous. Who's the victim? Um, well, frankly, I think that the issue here is that who owns the road? Well... Um, we're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there because right now the state owns the road. They're calling yes, it a exactly. crime. So they, because they, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact of what a logical uh, policy would be. Uh, if you're managing a, a transportation system, if it was privately owned, I think that private owners would have a lot more strict policies with regard to people okay. who engaged in riding on their on their roads, so I I think that it's well. If you're a uh, landowner, so you if, probably don't want people doing drugs on your property either. So all drug laws are fine then. It's a property right of the of the property owner. So it's yes. a property right of the state. So all the all the people in jail for for drug violations violated the property of the state. No, you're lock them away. Trans, no, you're talking about a transportation system where you put other people in in jeopardy by uh, reckless driving. Now, well, if, but we're, if we're people are doing drugs, rights. if the people are doing drugs on the state property, then yeah, it's okay. But if they're doing it on their own property, then that should be okay, also. Okay. Yeah. So, so smoking marijuana out in public, illegal. Right. Smoking it in your house, no problem. Well, not just in public, but if it's if it's property that the state owns. Well, that's public. I mean, okay. How mm-hmm. how how do you want to redefine that? I I don't. No, I I, I, I can't use that word public. Okay. State-owned. Yeah. State-owned versus privately owned? Right. No, like the- I, I don't think that it... Uh, uh, to, to me, the issue is, are you doing an action 
that puts another person in great jeopardy. Now, smoking marijuana does not put another person in great jeopardy, but driving a car and having your, your judgment greatly impaired by drinking or driving, whether it's, whether it's alcohol or, or uh, uh, acting crazy, whatever, whatever the, the... What about looking down at the console to change the radio station? Oh, yeah, reckless negligence in the, in the operation of a, of a 2,000, I mean, a multi-thousand pound vehicle that kills other people, I think there is liability. There is accountability for these actions, regardless of what causes you. So glancing, glancing back to check on your child in the back seat. If you kill other away. people in the process of doing oh, it, then you're, then you're an, okay. uh, irresponsible. So you have to hurt someone for it to actually be a crime. Now, if you go back to the case of if it was a privately owned, try uh, try to think of it as a privately owned thing. I mean, no, I got you. And the example okay, that I brought it, up to counter that was privately owned land and drug use. If you're going to call, if you're going to so call he, the highways, what state he's saying owned, is, if if it's state owned, think about it how a privately run uh, road would be run. And no, if, I got if, it. If 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 the state does something as if it that that would be similar to what would happen if it was privately run then it's probably valid yeah so so getting caught smoking weed on public land lock them away throw away the key no i don't say that at all why not because you're not you're not it's putting st- anybody else's life in jeopardy well then roll but that back to the roads behind, no no when you get Rich. behind a wheel of a car you are putting other people's life in jeopardy that's the not by getting that, behind the wheel that's difference if, between a victimless crime if, and a if victim if there's crime. if there's a private park and the private park says, you know, there's no there's no danger for smoking pot in the park, and then you're allowed to do it. Then the the state should be seen. It would be reasonable for the state to have the same type of of law. It would not be reasonable for the state to say you you can't smoke pot here. Uh, right. I hear you. I'm not I'm not confused. I'm just saying. So the the drug laws the 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 the, the concurrent drug law with the road example would be no marijuana smoking on public land or private or public or state owned land. However, whatever term you want to use. Um, That's unreasonable. Why is that unreasonable? If, if because I can, there's if no I can, danger. But if I can stop someone from smoking weed in my house, right? Because that's my private property. And we're you saying, can, this, but you can also, but you can also allow it. Right. So the state could allow it. They could prohibit it on state owned land if we're going to grant them the ability to own property, right? And therefore drug drug violations on state-owned land is legitimate because a private property owner could have the same rules. Where's the confusion? Do we need to, do we need to hash this down to can the state own property? I was granting that for the sake of argument. Anyone? I'm afraid Look, you can go back to texting while driving. Okay, I texting think, while driving. I, think, I do it all the time. I've never killed anyone. Why should I be put in jail? Well, all right. Um, I, okay. Well. I'll wait. I think if you were the owner of the highway system and you were to be held accountable for what injury occurred on your highway, and which, of course, the government isn't. The government officials are not held accountable for the injury done on their highways. They manage it uh, uh, absent that, that personal accountability. But an owner of a highway system or transportation system, which is an airplane or a railroad or, uh, you know, a, a vehicle uh, system uh, like like roads, um, if they were accountable, they would set up a rule of of, of behavior and conduct, saying you cannot uh, uh, operate in such a way that you will endanger other actors on the highway, and therefore okay. they have a right to set a rule that. Uh, allows for safe conduct of that transportation system. Okay. Now try to stay with me as I move that into the drug war, right? And drug laws. The state owns certain property. Are we are we granting that for the sake of argument? I'll just throw it out there. Are we granting sure. that for the sake of argument? Okay. The state owns property. In some form or fashion, they are responsible for the safety of people conducting business or lounging about on public in on state owned property. They have determined that certain drug use leads to malfeasance and violent behavior. And so to be responsible and to uphold the safety of the community around them, they ban certain drugs from being used on their property. 
Well, so wait a minute. Let's let's go back to the other circumstance. Suppose that it's you're operating on a um, on a private highway system, okay? And the private owner of the highway system says, "If you're going to operate a a car on my system here, you're not allowed to um, text while driving. You're not allowed to drink while driving." Gotcha. Now, understood. That, would, would you rebel against that? Uh, I may not use his highway. Right? Oh, okay. Well, okay. So, but if you do use his highway, do you acknowledge that he has the right to set the conditions for use of it? Sure. And would you, you know, and, and would you uh, become greatly outraged if he, if he says, I'm sorry, you, you can't uh, be drinking when you get into your car? No. Now let's move it back to the drugs and the state owned land. And why are we getting, why, why should we be outraged over drug prohibition then? If if we can reduce well, it not, down well, to state not, owned property, not all not all land is state owned, so I don't know where you're get, going with. Because I'm separating the public, the the state owned land from the privately owned land, right? If you're saying you can smoke weed in your house, no big deal. We're in agreement there. So I'm saying if you get caught smoking weed on state owned property or doing heroin on state owned property, because it's owned by the state and they set the rules, you have to be okay with those rules. And then you cannot be outraged at people being thrown in jail for violating those rules. And I think the three of us would already be outraged uh, at, at the idea that you're not allowed to put in your body whatever it is you want, uh, regardless yeah, well, of where you're doing it. That's not what you're arguing, though. You're, you're, you're saying it's, if it's on state-owned property. If it's on state-owned property, lock them up, throw away the key. Maybe. Okay, make the case otherwise, then. But, I mean, if I can do it in my own house, then... Okay, fine. It's you know if I can do what I want on my own property, that's fine. Right. And if if I want to do it in more places, I just buy more property. Okay. So doing it on state-owned property, lock them up, throw away the key, because they I they mean, had the it, opportunity to do it on their own property. They chose not to. They chose to do it on state property. They violated the rules. They they know the state owns the land. They know if the state owns the land, you have to follow the state's rules. I mean, that would be a lot more just than the current situation. Okay. So you wouldn't. So you would not have a problem then, you know. If, if we went through all these, uh, if we went through all these nonviolent drug offense so, cases, if as long so as they weren't in their own in, house, in a more in a more ideal situation, the state would own very little property, maybe like the courthouse or so nothing. They, so if they, yeah. <laughs> so okay, let's say say they they own the courthouse and that's it. Okay, that's one place you can't do drugs. Fine, so be it. I don't care. Okay. As long yeah, as you're think, okay with that, I th I think the issue is uh, should the state own anything, and I and I think we would agree it 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 shouldn't. It, it, well, there's the, nothing the, the state needs to own. But then we the, shouldn't hold that up as a comparison for like, well, the state can do it if a private entity would do it, because there's a lot of prohibitions uh, that a but, private entity would do, and yeah, you can't you, make you, the same comparison. You say, well, accept uh, uh, the fact that the government does own the highways. And you can't, well, you can take another highway if you don't. I mean, you can find another way of transportation from one point to another. And you say, well, that's difficult because the government owns so much. So therefore, how am I going to get to point B uh, uh, freely with, uh, without crossing a uh, government highway? Well, I'm, I accept that the, the, the government is so pervasive. Um, and so if you want to... Uh, walk across the street to your neighbor's house. You may go, go across a government road. You may be using a government post office or something like that. I accept the fact that those are compromises in this, in this scenario, but it doesn't necessarily make their operation of the transportation system uh, stupid just simply because it's, um, I, you accept that it's government owned. Okay, I challenge that it's government owned. And you say, well, okay, but what, what if... But if they, they do own it all, then then they have to run it your way. I'd say no. You can't just run it your way. You have to accept the fact that until it's totally privately owned, that they're going to have some logical reasons for for um, for operating the way they do. Frankly, and my I point is that they have a logical think, reason for all of the laws that they put right, in place. All right, all right. Would you accept, would you challenge them? They say, well, you shouldn't be driving with your eyes closed. Um now, would you challenge that because it's an infringement on your right as a driver to drive any way you want on government highways? Yeah, I would. You would? I would. 
Well, because if I you don't hurt anybody, just right. <laughs> if you don't hurt anybody, you don't slam in any walls. Who cares? Well, I, I would say that, uh, that falls into the no victim, no crime. Who did you hurt? All right. So then, uh, what would be the logical consequence then I would, how about the death penalty execution? Uh, if you do cause somebody energy, uh, 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 injury, would you accept that? Uh, the death penalty for causing injury because you chose to drive with your eyes closed. That's right. Yes, I would support that. Okay, so when you're texting and you, and if you should bump into somebody or do some kind of injury, you would accept the death penalty so long as you're allowed to, to drive uh, and text. I would accept that. <laughs> Frankly, I, I think you do theoretically. I don't think you would accept it in reality. Why not? Because you don't live your life that way. You don't live your life as if the state has a right to execute you um, for injury to somebody else on the highway. If but I also did, I don't also don't injure people on the highway. Have you right. ever injured anybody or anything? Not not just physically to their body, but to their property. Uh, uh, did you ever bump into another car? Yeah. Well, Would I accept the death what penalty if, for that? No. Yeah. Why not? Why, Why not? Be- because there's there's because a level. If they, if they can't, but no, why should it be proportional? Well, because that's because how, that's justice. Justice no, is proportional. Isn't. You don't you don't know what the consequence is until you until you do injury. Yeah, if but if I bu- is, if okay. I bump into somebody's car and they survive, right? Like a fender bender in the in in the, in the grocery store parking lot, right? I'm not going to say like, yep, death penalty. That's ludicrous. But if I smash into somebody and kill them. Because I chose to drive with my eyes closed frivolously, right? Yeah, I, I would support the death penalty for that. If I were to smash into somebody on the highway and kill them because I was texting and driving, right? Yeah, I would support that, right? That is that is that is uh, proportional a life for a life. If we're talking about like a dent, right, in in a fender, no, no, that's ridiculous to support the death penalty. But a life well, for a life? Uh, I could get behind a life for a life. Okay. I, I'd say that the injury is far more than a life to a life. Um, and so how can we how could we make it actually consequential to that other person's life? Um, well, it would be the survivor. Full restitution. No, it's not just your life. That's no restitution. Restitution is... is uh, compensating them as best you possibly can. So maybe sure. it be the rest of your life as a slave to that person to compensate them for the loss of money, the loss of, of love and companionship for the family, loss of, uh, uh, of everything, the loss of all of your property, uh, loss of everything. Yeah. Would you accept that? Yeah. I would, I, I, I granted you a life, man. What do you think I would, why I wouldn't do less than that for a life? No, but it's much more than a life. I mean, you could say, okay, just put me to, to sleep. That's that's a life for life. But no, it's, it's working for the rest of your life as the slave to that person compensating them. Would you accept that? You really would? Yeah. Because you want to text while driving? Not because, because I want to drive text. Well, you would have Again. the right to drive with your eyes closed? Not because, I, have, not because <laughs> I want the right to, but because there was actual harm and actual damage done in your scenario. And right? you think that driving with your eyes closed doesn't raise the risk to other people? I don't care if it raises the risk. There's no injury. The outcome is null. <laughs> okay. I've okay. coasted down the freeway and taken my hands off the steering wheel just to see if I could like stay in the lane with my knees. Mm-hmm. Did I hurt anybody? No. Should well, I be put to death? No. Who do I owe, who do I owe restitution to? Nobody. <laughs> but if I hit somebody, well, then we can talk about justice. Yeah, but, but you I, you want yeah, preemptive I, penalties when there's no victim. I think that there is a logical reason for people to anticipate risk involved with their actions, and so therefore, if you were, uh, you know, if you are opting a business or of, of any kind, you would be trying to anticipate risk to minimize those, those consequences. Yeah. And, and, and your insurance company would insist on it. Yeah. They would say, well, uh, I'm sorry, you, you can't finance your transportation system until 
we give you insurance and we can't give you insurance if you allow people, if you, we allow your pilots of your airplane to uh, fly with their eyes closed. Um, you know, and on the, on the, it, it hasn't happened yet that the plane has crashed, but we think that it's a good chance that your plane's going to crash um, or that your car is going to crash or the injury is going to occur. And then we will have to suffer consequences to our stockholders to our insurance company, to our bank or financing, everybody who puts money into your business is anticipating risk. They're not just saying, oh, yeah, well, go ahead and, and let uh, him drive with his eyes closed. And then and then after injury occurs, then we'll take the consequence. Uh, but that's, that's when that you the, take the consequence. The, there's no consequence until something happens. No, there's always anticipation of risk and trying to minimize the risk. Yeah, but you're minimizing and, risk, not and consequence. And I would say that it's not just not just you, uh, the owner of the transportation system would be liable as well. The owner of the insurance company that insured your car, if you have insurance, is uh, liable as well to the full extent of all of their assets. Nobody's going to invest any money into an insurance company or a bank or a transportation system, knowing that they're just going to wait until the first injury occurs, and then on that person's consequence is going to be a full accountability for liability for that person's death. How do you measure the the cost of that one person's death anyway? Maybe the I cost am. of that one person's death is everybody else's uh, property, all of their property. E economists and have done it, and it's usually economists no, have done it. Nah, that doesn't make any any difference at all. You can't measure It's usually calculated as lifetime earnings at current rate. But you know that that's not satisfactory. That's how they calculate it. it. Well, that I know Ford did it with the Pinto. Irrelevant. If if I died, the loss to my family isn't just what I earned uh uh, over the years of my, my potential remaining life. Oh, oh, by the way, since I'm past retirement age right now, uh, the calculation in the courts by the courts economists would be that my loss would be zero because technically speaking, I should be retired and I have no future earnings. So the loss to my life is zero. Is it really? Uh, that's how the, if you are, you just said, said that that's how they calculate it. Someone does the calculation. You may not know, agree with the calculation. I have a different way of looking at one of, one of these aspects. You guys kind of got lost in some of them, but um, it would uh, DUI DUI laws do DUI laws reduce risk on the road? No, I would, I think they do. Okay, because there's someone out there that the only reason they don't drink and drive is because they're worried about the law. Yes. That's the only reason. People. When I lived in Japan, for example, nobody drank anything if they were going to be driving. And they were because the law was very, very strict. They could lose their license for the rest of their lives. They could lose their jobs. They could lose uh, a fortune and money. And they, they knew very well. And their reputation was on, uh, on the line because the consequence was so great of just getting stopped with a DUI. Nobody drank and drived. And it had nothing to do with the fact that they're peaceful people who don't want to hurt their neighbors. Well, they always told me that the, the, the consequence before they, you know, when people were urging them to drink, you know, I've okay. got to drive. Well, uh, why, why, why is it a big deal? I would ask because I was foreigner and I would say, well, the law is uh, very, very strict. And the, 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 the penalty to me is so great that it would be uh, not, not worth it. Just okay. getting tested with it. So, okay. So fair enough. And I would say that what that sounds to me like is the state, instead of the individual, but the state and the state actors taking my life philosophy and using it for themselves, right? You just make every penalty, right? Forget a hundred bucks for texting while driving, 20 years in jail, right? 50 years in jail. First offense, texting while driving, 50 years in jail. You want to stop all the texting and driving? Just make the penalty so onerous, right? that no one would even think to do it once jaywalking but mc <laughs> said that it would reduce that it does just these these doi laws reduce uh deaths on the highway yeah so imagine right. imagine how much more risk could be reduced if there was you know a 75 year minimum sentence uh for a first offense dui well i i think if the roads were privately owned 
they would be much more strict than the government is today. That's why we have so many deaths on the highways today, about $40,000, 40,000 deaths a, a year. Because, because the rules aren't strict enough? That's right. That's right. There was a guy who, who over here in Hawaii who, who killed a couple uh, while driving. It was his 17th uh, arrest. And uh, he had lost his license a long time ago. But there was never any consequence to him. They just said, oh, well, then you've lost your license. The penalty is... Uh, you know, nothing. You don't get, uh, I mean, he had done 17 violations and then finally killed some people. And then what's his consequence? Still almost nothing. I would guess that probably the, the consequence of uh, texting or driving was probably greater than actually killing people um, here. And, and with such topsy-turvy uh, 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 use of the laws uh, here that it, it does encourage a lot of very very reckless people and their behavior if it were a privately own own road um the guy uh who tried to drive on his highway after after uh any kinds of violations like that it would be trespass they'd have a right to shoot him <laughs> uh for coming onto the highway again and causing that kind of injury if they caught him yeah sure well they would, would you support that carefully they would be much more careful in, in catching him. Well, that's why I think, frankly, um, roads probably wouldn't exist uh, because the cost of, of the full application of roads compared to railroads and airplanes is uh, much greater. I think that, uh, well, roads would exist, but they would be nothing like the big interstate highway system. Criminal transportation, I think, would be much more confined to compact uh, high concentration area zones of, of people living together and maybe more in high rises and uh, transportation between city centers would be much more like on railroads that could easily be privately operated. So for libertarians like who value the roads, we really ought to thank the state for building those glorious things because in a private society, <laughs> they exist in such a smaller level. I, I agree. Yeah. All right. I mean, all this, uh, um, uh, yeah, I think that human beings in the marketplace would be innovating a lot better ways of moving people around the planet and also providing communication alternatives to having to have to move around the planet. I mean, look at like zoning laws. They require people to commute long distances every morning and every evening uh, because here's the residential zone way over here and here's the work zone way over here. Yeah. So therefore we have to commute every morning and every evening back and forth with transportation systems, usually on crowded, congested highways with all kinds of rules that, that prevent competition in buses and, and, uh, but don't you think private landowners would have even more onerous zoning restrictions because they, do you want to separate those things as much as possible? More, more homeowners associations. I think they would want to, well, whatever works. You don't, you wouldn't want to put a pig farm next to a residential building. That's outrageous. <laughs> well, whatever works. If people desire it, if they desire to live and work in their same community zone and, and avoid uh, long commutes, they will favor that and pay more to live in it. People who if it's available to, to the, them in, in the rural. Well, it would it would be available in the marketplace where people are willing to pay for it and willing to offer it. Unlike in the government where. It's just paid for, I mean, it's whoever pays the politician enough to get the zoning for, for their preferences, the way it's going to work out. And But but the state has their reasons, right? They they own that land. They've zoned it accordingly. There must be a log logical reason why they've zoned it accordingly. They've provided the roads to make that commute. No, well, they've... they've Praise you know, government. Like take, take in Hawaii, you know, we, we had a private railroad, 71 miles, the Oahu Railroad, went around the island, provided plenty of transportation, all privately without a single dollar of taxpayer expense. But uh, uh, automobile companies and, and oil companies and tire companies uh, like the idea that uh, of having the state tax people to build roads as a subsidized alternative form of transportation, and it drove the railroads out of business. Um, so, yeah, one group lobbied the Congress and uh, the, the legislative uh, sections and they got uh, government to build the roads that's the same thing on the national national scale R railroads were driven out of business by the subsidy to the to the highway system made it much more attractive as an alternative if if highway owners had to pay for the full cost of their own highway transportation 
driving on them, I think, would usually be by tolls. It'd be much more expensive. It'd be much more carefully uh, regulated on what kind of cars and people were, were operating independently on their, on their road system. And so therefore, people would find it much more attractive, I think, either to use elevators or uh, railroads uh, for transportation. And I would find a way to get on the road because I don't like being held to other people's time. Sure, so I'd be you, glad that there's you, an alternative available. But you would have to pay for it. You I already pay paid the, for it. No, well, you'd have to pay the full cost each time you went on the road or through a, a subscription system, you know, paying for the road. Sure. Right, right now, you don't pay for nearly what the cost of the road is. Uh, trucking companies uh, uh, do the most damage on roads, and they get uh, taxpayers to build their roads and bridges and, and all the stuff uh, for them for the most part. They pay through the gas tax, but that's not for your use of it. If you um, if you drive around your neighborhood uh, versus driving across the country, you pay very <clears throat> you're paying through gas, but it's always to to build another road uh, yeah. where the politicians want it to go, not where you actually want to go as a driver. So no cross country travel because they couldn't figure out how to link up two private roads. No, they could. They they could. It it might exist, but it wouldn't be on the interstate highway system. Or you'd have to all. stop off at the to at, at some booth to purchase your permit to get onto the road adjacent to the one that you subscribe to on a daily the, basis. The market has found beautiful ways of having these scanning devices, so that you can pay a toll on a private road. I've done this in Texas. All of the private roads that are are uh, toll roads. You don't stop at all. Yeah. You pay a, a monthly subscription fee. Have the little thing put in your in your window it's scanned when you drive by and no i've got it we've got easy pass on our car now yeah i just yeah. i just skip the tolls it's only 75 cents each way i skip it i know i know that's that's uh, remarkable but i would say also in built into the cost of these things would be a charge for the um the cost to uh the the damage well another thing that's uh, that the roads have gotten is eminent domain to take property from people along these pathways uh, against their will. So there'd be a, probably a higher cost to obtaining those rights of way in the first place. There'd probably be a cost uh, charged for the uh, pollution injury that you do to neighboring communities and so on like that too, that would have to be incorporated as a cost of the transportation system. And you're saying all these costs make it untenable for most people to drive if the roads were, were privatized? I don't know. It would be up to the market and true cost in the marketplace it, it maybe if people are all i mean now we're all accustomed to this sort of stuff so this we sort of expect to be able to do the same thing that we've always been doing at a subsidized cost well i but say I depends on where you live because new york city right it's a lot of trains and undergrounds and subways hawaii out west california it's more urban sprawl so there's a lot more highways sure sure yeah and you, you you've gotten used to the way things are by heavy government subsidy but we have no idea what, what it would be like if if it was a free market where you had to actually pay for whatever it is that you, you preferred and all yeah. the costs involved. No, I get it. It's just I, I hear your example and you make it sound like the market wouldn't find a way to make it cost effective to keep cars on the road and that we'd no, all be no, doing it, trains and it, buses. It may. I didn't say it wouldn't. I said that it would if you pay. For, I, I said what I think might occur. Okay. That, that people would much more likely rely on railroads uh, and um, elevators uh, elevators than on highways. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, look at the at just the effect of the Jones Act here. The requirement that we have to be uh, any ship going uh, back and up and down the coast or up and down the rivers, or up and down from island to island, all has to be on a, a ship that costs five times as much. Well, if without that regulation, who knows? Maybe we would be getting around the islands by by ferry boats, or maybe we would be getting around the boat, uh, the islands, uh, getting up and down rivers, uh, the Mississippi River, the Ohio River, and along the the west coast entirely by deep seaborne transportation. If it's one fifth the price to buy our via our our uh, things, ah, words, but the whole it, shape of things would change. If all those ports were privatized, though, it could be five times as much. Hard to say. Possibly. Yeah, exactly. Hard to say. We don't know what it would look like. I'm just There's speculating. There's a lot of things that we don't know, but one thing we do know is that we're running out of time. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Way to, way to roll that in there. Yeah. All right. Final <laughs> thoughts? 
<laughs> fun time, Rich. I, uh, you always make it fun. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Thanks a lot. Yeah, this is great.